Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by. Powerful, inspiring, and coming to you live, bringing you stories of people like you and me, busting through and living life full out. Get ready to dare to wonder what your life would be like if you knew you could not fail. Welcome, everyone. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. This is Talk Radio to Thrive By. Wow, what a really cool show we've got for you tonight. I want to welcome each of you to the show, and I want to thank you all for the numerous emails that you've sent to me and to everyone here at the Dr. Pat Show uh, about some of the interviews, some of the initiatives that we have decided to take on. Um, we are partnering with iCare America and Val John Ferris. Uh, and you'll hear more about how you can become involved in helping people all over the country. Uh, you're also going to be hearing from the Holistic Makeover winners. They are now in finishing up their first month of uh, transformation from the inside out, a three-month journey, and a pay-it-forward project for each of them. You know, tonight's show, it's, I've really been looking forward to this. You know, tonight's show, I hope, uh, will answer all of the questions that you might have about yourself as an intuitive child, um, your life and what it's been like, and perhaps about your children or children you know. And for me, this is a conversation that it is so extremely important given my own past and my own, my own life's journey but also for all of the children across the globe that had a sense of who they were and had a sense of the gift they had. And some have been able to have that that gift grow and become fulfilled in the beauty of it. And then for the children out there that have not. And the reason being because us as adults, we just don't get it. We just don't get it. That's right. I'm talking to you over there. You know who I'm talking to. But by the end of today's show, you're going to have a different perspective. Catherine Crawford is joining me here today, and she has written, for me, she has written one of the best books on intuitive children that I have ever seen that's come across my desk in the, the five years I've been doing the show. She's joining me here today. The book is called The Highly Intuitive Child, and we're going to take you through this beautiful, what I like to say, this beautiful maze of what it's like to have an intuitive child, to be an intuitive child, or to know an intuitive child, and what it's like for you and everyone around you to be labeled as that freak kid from the movie, The Sixth Sense. And nine times out of ten, nobody's paying attention to you anyway because that imaginary child you see or maybe that imaginary dog or cat, uh, that's like all in your mind. And if you're like me, you get taken to Dr. Jacoby, the psychiatrist, and they try to figure out what's wrong with you. But right now, I want to introduce you to somebody very, very, very amazing. Catherine Crawford, licensed marriage and family therapist, registered art therapist, specializing in the needs of, guess what, intuitive empath children, and adults. This is someone, Catherine, over the years, has been able to work with, help people understand the gifts they have, and more importantly, the book is a guide to understand um, and, and parenting. What does this mean for all of us out there, and for those of you that are out there thinking you, you're not really sure what we're talking about, and you don't really understand even the questions to ask. But over the years, what Catherine has done, she has crafted uh, a clientele, people, that have such a need to live and be all that they can be and has a, has a deep respect and commitment for each and every person and who you are. And you know why I think she, she does and I know she does? You have to, to do the work she's doing and to sit down and write a book about the highly intuitive child her knowledge, her passion, and her experience goes beyond commitment and respect. This is a calling. And, Catherine, we want to welcome you to the show. Thank you so much for joining us here today. I am so excited to have this conversation with you. 
And, boy, I hope as a result of this show we can help some parents and help some children actually be and become who they were meant to be. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Pat. What an intro. I feel so honored. My heart is full with your words, and I can feel um, how much we can resonate with this commitment to support these children and these adults. And it really is my passion and my life purpose to support um, to support these gifts of intuition and to clear up the misunderstandings about intuitive kids that are out there and to be free to celebrate these gifts. So it is just a joy to be here with you this evening. Well, I mean, it's a big topic, and we've got lots to cover. And I, I actually commend you for taking this on. <laughs> I really do. I mean, you, you know, I, there are many of us that really get on the air and talk about it, and those of us that us that have gone through traditional educational institutions, right? Mm-hmm. You know, the deans of our schools right now are thinking, okay, how can we take that degree away from her? They're <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah. like thinking. Uh-oh, she should have never made it through that psychology doctoral program. No, that shouldn't have happened. But, you know, this is just part of a stigma. I mean, this is part of, uh, of of what's happening on the surface. But underneath this, there's a very different story, isn't there? There absolutely is. And um, I'll just back up a little bit to the piece that, you know what, it does take courage. Mm-hmm. And when my book first came out, the first thought that crossed my mind is, uh-oh, what have I done? And thank goodness that that I'm so connected to purpose that it's not about it's not this isn't for me this is for the kids mm. this is for helping them to be more understood and I I think that we've done kids and and intuition a great disservice especially within the field of psychology when we're not willing to be in a deep and nuanced conversation about what this looks like because then we can mislabel it. And if we can really get this information out there of the beauty of intuition and how different this is than, say, psychosis or some other thing that really frightens people, then we can start to really um, build the skills and listen to our kids and pay attention to them and what they're needing and what they're saying to us. Mm. And, you know, we're, we're going to talk about a lot of different things, uh, you know, tonight on the show because there there are consequences. There are consequences in either direction mm-hmm. about what we do and how we do it with our, our children and what this means. And, you know, hopefully we'll also cover uh, a number of other categories, for example, like, you know, this mass labeling of children that are ADD and ADHD. Now, mm-hmm. I'm not saying that they're not. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm hoping we get to a conversation where the people listening to the show understand and know discernment. Yes. Discernment. But let's start with you, uh, because I just briefly gave an introduction of, of who you are and what you've done, and certainly it doesn't tell a story. And I guess I want to ask you a question that I've asked so many people on the show, mm-hmm. and actually, I think you mentioned Judith Orloff in your book, and she's on my show tomorrow. Great. Here's the question. You have taken on a big challenge. Mm -hmm. And you are committed. You are passionate. I can see it in the work you do. I can see it in in the book and reading the book. Here's the question for you. Along the way, what are some of the challenges? What are some of the obstacles that you, Catherine, you personally had to overcome to bring you to this moment? Mm. Well, I'll be straight up and say, yes, (laughs) I am an intuitive empath and I am highly sensitive. And and, you know, unlike some intuitives out there who grew up in families where it was so readily accepted and they were given all the skills, I wouldn't say that that my family was discounting of intuition, but but most of these skills I came by on my own. And so there were times when I felt really alone and different with having these kinds of heightened abilities. And it really wasn't until um, my adult life when I came to realize that this is a this is a wonderful thing to have happen. And um, along the way, I've been blessed to have people in my life who could spot this in me. I think that's a really important thing for parents to be able to spot this or to have somebody be able to spot these abilities and this gift in you. 
and to have that supported. Um, I've also had so many experiences in my life where it was my my intuition or my spiritual life or my uh, empathy that would give me meaning. Um, I'll give just a quick little story. When my grandmother was dying, I had an experience of being awakened in the middle of the night and knowing that she had just passed. And the phone rang two minutes later uh, from the hospital. She had just died. And um, so it's those kind of experiences where it's it's brought so much meaning into my life. And um, it makes me who I am today. It makes me a better therapist in my ability to to use my empathy and to feel if I'm on track with a client or to, to attune to somebody's pain. But by the same token, I've had to learn not to take on the pain of the world or the pain of my clients and burn myself out. So that's part of my commitment in my work is to make sure that that kids have those kinds of tools for themselves so that they don't get burned out with having these abilities and that they know that they're normal and they're natural and it's not crazy to have this. And um, and I feel like at this stage in my life and with having this book and having the courage to get the word out, I feel like even with all my little bumps and bruises along the way um, and having to learn this, that I'm living proof that you, you can be an intuitive empath and you can be highly sensitive and still be quite successful. Is that, you know, and thank you so much for sharing that story because, you know, I, I really do believe that our lives kind of, you know, take, take these twists and these turns. And a friend of mine said to me a long time ago, all roads lead to home. And you know when you have arrived home because it feels so warm and comforting. You also know when you're not home. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And so I'm not sure what your life would be like right now if you had not said yes to this. Yeah, it was the choiceless choice. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, you know, at a certain point, too. Actually, let me just back up a little bit. Um, The the way that I came to this book, it was was kind of a fluke. I was at a workshop um, of Judith Orloff, your guest for tomorrow, Mm -hmm. and um, I don't have a personal relationship with Judith, but I was at the workshop loving it. And I was in her book signing line, and and at the workshop there had, there were so many questions that people were asking about their intuitive empath kids, and so in line I said, Judith, would you mind writing another book about how to support intuitive empath kids? And she considered me for a moment and said, No, you write that book. <laughs> and I just felt absolute truth move through my body. It was like being touched by some kind of lightning, that place when you just know this is real, pay attention. And, and you know, Judith knew that, didn't she? She did. She, know that, she knew that was yours to do. That was mine. I tried <laughs> to give it to her, but she put it right back on me. I know. It's like a hot potato that you're trying to get rid of. <laughs> uh, and it always kind of comes back. And, and, and for those of you that are just tuning in, let me tell you that Catherine Crawford is joining me here today. The book that she has written, and as I said before, and I'll say it again, it is, for me, it's one of the most direct books that I relate to, one of the best books that I've read written on the highly intuitive child. And you'll find out by the end of the show why, because not only will you get a sense uh, of what this book is about, but you'll also get a sense of, you know, the 10 skills, what they are, the how how behind teaching the skills. And more importantly, why are these important to begin with? Well, you know, for for most people listening to the show, uh, you know, this is a show that everyone pretty much that's listening is going to relate to. I want to make sure all of you out there have an opportunity as, as we, you know, time goes on in the conversation. If you have a question for Catherine that you call in, uh, let me just give you that toll-free number. It is 1-800, no, it's 877-876-5227. 877-876-5227. That is toll-free. And, you know, I'm sure we're going to hit something here throughout the conversation that your eyebrows are going to go up. What I wanted to ask you is, you know, we have a lot of dialogue, Catherine, out there about intuitive, psychic, empathic. I mean, there's just a lot of conversation about that. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we're talking about 
indigo children. We're talking about crystal children. I think there's now a new term. I wanted to ask you, what is the bottom line to all of this language? Is it important to know the differences? This is kind of a controversial question, so let's just jump in two feet on the ground with it. Um, I've had a mixture of feelings about the terms um, that are out there, and I, I personally struggled with even putting a highly intuitive term out there because I personally feel like it's really important to just show up and 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 be present to a child in how they unfold for us and to not put too many labels on them where we might be uh, inclined to miss important features of who that child is and how their spirit's unfolding in their life. So, um, you know, I think that the late, I think on one hand labels begin to, you know, get a conversation rolling. So I think there are more conversations that are out there rolling where we're talking about heightened abilities in children, be it intuition or empathy or higher levels of perception or ways that children are um, challenging mainstream thinking in a way that adults are scratching their heads at and wondering, when have we seen this before? So I I don't want to fault that, but I do really want to encourage people to... um, to not fall into a trap, which I'm seeing a little bit of in some corners of thinking in these conversations of, of intuitive kids, which is that these are such grand abilities and uh, that we need to kind of exalt them or, or be afraid of them or, you know, kind of the extremes of inflating mm-hmm. or deflating or being afraid of or just all that we want to see in a child. So as long as we can stay really grounded and practical and kind of normalize this for kids and give them skills, then I think we're on the we're on the right path. Well, and, you know, this is part of the conversation today because, uh, you know, I don't know how we even get to the place where we actually quantify the gift. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like, oh, well, guess what? I predicted 9-11. Oh, well, guess what? I intuitively didn't step out in the street. Yeah. Uh, that day and probably saved my life. So what's better, this or that? And I and, and I don't really know if there's a place for that conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think it's great. It makes great pop culture, television show, reality things. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure it really honors the true gift or gives us an opportunity to kind of nurture that, um, you know, the gift within us. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I wanted to, you know, continue this conversation um, but I actually think we have a caller. I think the phones are, like, off the hook for a minute. Let me just double-check to make sure. Do we have someone calling into the show tonight? Yes, Jane from Seattle. Hi, Jane. Welcome to the show. Uh, I'm just really excited to uh, learn about, you know, some of the things that you're talking about here because I have a daughter that is three years old, and, you know, at this point both uh, my fiancé and I have kind of um, – explained her as someone who has a very um, a, a very creative imagination, but she she tells us very interesting things from time to time, and one of the things that she told me recently is that she, um, hi, uh, thanks for having me, I'm really excited I don't know what happened to Jane right there in that moment. Jane, are you still with us? I am. So could you tell us what you, can you finish what you were saying about um, what your daughter says to you? Yes. Um, so, so what she said to me was that she believed that um, my, that she used to be my mommy. She said, mommy, do you remember when you were my mommy or when mm-hmm. I was your mommy and when, um, when I used to take care of you. Mm-hmm. And what do you and, say to that, Jane? Well, um, and I I say, really? I said, wow, do, do you remember? And I, I really just asked her more questions about what she remembers. And, um, you know, she she just tells me that she used mm-hmm. to take care of me. And, um, you know, so I, I really don't know what to say when, when she wow. does tell me. Well, you like, called into the right show. Catherine, what do you think? I think that Jane is doing a great job with staying open to her daughter's experience and asking 
you know, just tell me more. What do you remember? You know, there really is nothing to do with that. There's no no need to intervene in some particular way. Just staying open to a child's experience. Um, you know, highly intuitive kids sometimes will have these experiences of being able to have contact with a past life. Um, and for some parents, they may feel more comfortable holding that as imagination, but it, it sure, however it comes out, however you want to be with that information, just staying open so the child doesn't shut down with it. Um, it this is nothing, you know, not so unusual, quite normal, and delightful. And as she feels more comfortable in sharing that, she may have other information that she wants to bring forward. Um, I would also um, share with you, Jane, that, that um, sometimes as kids get a little older and when she starts school, she may um, be inclined to start to shut down that part of herself. So I've already kind of noticed that, you know, with um, different family members who um, are from a generation that um, that doesn't really accept a lot of make-believe or if something isn't concrete and, and you know, if she can't prove something right now or if it doesn't sound logical in, in you know, daily life or living, you know, living terms in, in, in this life, mm-hmm. um, you know, they've said, you know, well, you know, that's not true. You shouldn't say that sort of thing. And, and I always try to take her aside and, and say, you know, you can tell me that kind of thing anything, anytime. <laughs> you know, I always try to, you know, tell her that sort of thing. And, um, but, you know, I, I also am trying to teach her how to differentiate for herself between storytelling and, um, cause I, you know, I really encourage storytelling, but I, I want her to, for herself, be able to differentiate between telling a story and then sharing an experience. Hmm. Got it. And is that three. common, Catherine? Is that common with intuitive uh, children? And, and I guess my question is about, you know, is it common, common for intuitive children to, um, to have, uh, you know, amazing imagination and maybe even create amazing imaginary people, or at least we think they're imaginary. Oh, yeah, definitely. And this whole thing about imagination and intuition is huge. I want to, I want to um, go into that kind of in depth. Good. But before we do that, uh, if I could just um, uh, follow up with Jane around Good. Um, and for other parents listening, your highly intuitive child is highly likely to bounce or to bump into experiences like Jane's daughter of having people that are very, we call them sensates in the Myers-Briggs typology, very five-sensory, very I want to see it, then I can believe it. And they, they think that they're, they're doing a service to the child to um, want them to be quiet about those experiences. Maybe they want to prevent them from being teased at school or what have you, kind of like let's get her back on the planet and stay away from this woo-woo conversation, these things are going to come up, and just as you're doing, Jane, with giving her that loving space where she can come back and talk about her experiences, and she can learn that, you know, there's so many different kinds of people out there, and Mm. neither good nor bad, we have different ways of seeing life, and some people don't have this heightened ability, and that's okay. We don't make them wrong for that. We all need each other. Um... But she doesn't need to take on their judgments, and that's going to be that's part of our job as parents is to help our children release those kinds of judgments that 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 they might have, and then as they get older, being selective about who do they want to share those experiences with, especially if they're really near and dear to their hearts. Wow, that's yeah. great, Jane. Did you get all that? Yes, thank you. Thank you very much. You're welcome. That's okay, great. hey, thanks for listening. And I, I think this is a good time, Catherine, to go into that conversation, you know, and, in more depth. And, you know, I guess for me, and, and, and this is where I kind of want to start off, because I had two thoughts when the movie The Sixth Sense came out. Mm-hmm. You remember that movie? You know, and I didn't see it, although I did just see a, about ten minutes of it last week, so I'm, I'm with you. Okay. Did you not see it because you didn't want to or you just wasn't convenient for you? You know, it's I, I as a general rule, I don't watch spooky shows. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And uh, and that one, it started looking a little spooky. So I yeah, it was spooky. It, it was spooky. Mm-hmm. And actually, that's why I'm kind of bringing up the question. Yeah. Because, <laughs> because uh, you know, I, I wanted to ask you, and, and maybe maybe this is a general question. It isn't about that movie per se. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, it's sort of the pop culture explosion around sort of the sixth sense, the metaphysical, you know, the out-of-body um, you know, those kinds of experiences. And as a matter of fact, I just got to tell you right now, okay, when a show like Grey's Anatomy comes out mm-hmm. and then you've got Lizzie on there talking to her dead ex-boyfriend right. for like six shows, okay, or more. <laughs> and having sex with them, yeah. I mean, this is a whole new level of this. Does this help or does this hurt? Hmm. I think it hurts, really. Mm-hmm. I. It, more than anything, I think it's, it over-sensationalizes the experience of intuition, and it can frighten people away from it, and it can perpetuate these myths that if you're somebody who has heightened intuition, you must be talking to ghosts. Isn't that just what you do? You know? Yeah, right. And it reduces the credibility and the, and the gift side, the beauty of it, and, and I think what it's so made for, which is helping us feel our inner direction in life, being able to get out of a dangerous situation, mm-hmm. finding life meaning, all these very rich but maybe not so um, interesting for TV, not not quite as sellable as other things. So, you know, it, it, it gets some of the information out there, but, it's, mm-hmm. it, but we need to take it in stride as that's just a, that's that's the extreme on the continuum of intuitive experiences. And that's really, I mean, this is kind of the next part of the conversation, is to go in a little bit, uh, go in actually a lot more depth about what you've written in the book, because you share some fabulous stories. Uh, and this is why I love the book so much, because, you know, the stories that you're sharing about the children and their experiences, and I think it would be good to talk about that and also talk about, you know some of the some of the the things that you've learned and the skills that you've identified for parents um, to really adapt so that so that these these children can truly express themselves. I mean, you know, you, you talk about Amy, a two year old, uh, and I think that story is kind of you know incredible to share. But what you talk about is you talk about her experience and what she. I call it the chicken story in the book. Yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, but then you also go on to talk about some other things. And this would be a really good time for me to ask you to sort of, ex- you know, talk about the full meaning of this, the full meaning of intuition in action. Okay. Yes. Yes, yes. And would you like me to weave in a little bit about intuition versus imagination, too? I would love to you do whatever, because i got to tell you, the phones are off. Look, we got a call waiting on the line from Georgia, <laughs> which we're going to get to in a minute. I better be quick, then. Um, you know, I'm, I, I'd love to tell that fugitive story. Go ahead. Okay. All right. Yeah. So this really illustrates the imagination and intuition part. So this is a, another girl, um, and... She had an experience. She was at home with her mom, and um, this is a girl who has an active imagination, and all of a sudden she told her mom, lock the doors, there's a bad man outside. And she had been previously up to that point just playing happily, going about her day, and the mom discounted it because she thought it was her imagination going off. And the girl persisted, Mom, I'm serious. Lock the door. There's a bad man out there. I want you to lock all the doors. And by now, the girl is glued to her mom. Mom continued to discount it, thinking it was imagination, trying to comfort her, listening to her, you know, okay, you know, maybe, you know, she locked one door. Um, But this very perceptive, highly intuitive, empathic child knew that her mom was not believing her. Well, a couple hours later, that same mom got a phone call from a neighbor saying that there was a manhunt going on in the neighborhood, true story, and lock all your doors and turn off the lights. And so there was confirmation for that mom that that was her daughter's intuition going off. Now, listeners, I hope you never have an experience like that for your intuitive child, but I I really wanted to be able to tease out what was the difference between imagination and an intuition in that 
um, situation. And here's what I came up with as I unpacked that story. That, that girl was just going about her day. She was having a good time. And then all of a sudden, this intuitive message came in very quickly, very deliberately. She's an empath, so she felt it in her body. She said, I feel kind of creepy all of a sudden. Um, it said, pay attention. It was very present, too. It didn't um, jump her out into the future. She wasn't in, kind of in this rumination of, oh, I'm thinking that I've got a boogeyman underneath my bed. It, there were some really specific things that happened. So I wanted to share that with parents. Every kid's going to have their own way of being able to bring out intuitive messages. And, you know, there's the good ones, too, when we know that something's a yes. But getting to know our own systems and our kids' system of how intuition comes out is really important. Oh, that, that's a beautiful, that's brilliant. And I just want to tell everyone that, you know, the, my guest, very special guest. We're not going to take any breaks during this hour because it's just way too much to talk about. Uh, Catherine Crawford joining me here today. The book is The Highly Intuitive Child. If you have any question at all in your mind about yourself or your children, this book is going to break it down for you so that you understand it. It not only talks about what it's like to have or be an intuitive, but, you know, it talks about other things. It talks about self-care. It talks about diet. It also talks about boundaries and much more. Catherine, why don't we go to the phones? I think uh, we've got Casey who's called into the show. She's calling from Georgia, and I'd love to bring her on. Casey, are you there? Yes, I am. Hi. Hey, Hi, welcome Casey. to the show. Thank you. I was enjoying what you were talking about. Great. I'm glad we, I'm glad we kind of hit it for you. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, I have a two-year-old, and I was like, wow, that little girl was very much... She was just really great. I love oh. that. Yeah, I was working with, you know, I was looking at, because I actually am an intuitive, and I have a two-year-old daughter, mm-hmm. and she, you know, and me and her father are no longer uh, married, but he had let me know that, you know, during Christmas time and during times when he does have her, she always tends to give him these signals that she knows what they're going to do on their visit, and I don't even know. So, you know, it's one of those things to where he's like, does she have a lot of your gifts? I said, well, everyone is intuitive. However, I do live in Georgia, and I do think there are places that are open in every area. Mm-hmm. However, I recently moved two months ago from L.A. to Georgia, and I'm not noticing that people are as supportive of that specific gift because they get kind of scared when they hear something like sure. that. Mm-hmm. I didn't really know how to nurture her in this environment, and I was kind of wondering, you know, specifically, and I wanted to get the name of the book again, too, because I only got part of it. The Highly Intuitive Child, and we're going to give you a website, too. Catherine, why don't we give out your website for everyone? Sure. It's lifepassage.com. One word, lifepassage.com. Oh, thank you. Well, let's talk about this. This is, Casey, this is a great, great question. It really is because I so get this, but I want to hear Catherine's point of view uh, on this. Catherine, how does location or shift or, I mean, is it energy? Is what Casey's saying, um, you know, I mean, how is this affecting her, her children, and is there anything she could do about it? Yeah, yeah. Oh, boy, I've got so many, so many <laughs> thoughts on this. You know, the first thought I've got is, What's going on with Seattle? I keep getting all these radio interviews in Seattle. I've been up there for a book signing. It's like, wow, that's a hot spot. I think there are these places where Mm -hmm. people are just more open-minded. And I know for myself, I feel so much more comfortable when I'm around people that are are open. And um, I can feel it when it's more shut down, too. And I think that kids can feel that, too. So... um, and yet, you know, we're sure portable. You know, we're going to be ourselves wherever we go. Um, a couple things about your daughter. Um, I think that she may, if she's in situations where she really has to rein herself in and, and hold back in her intuition, or if she starts to spot a lot that if she is her little intuitive self and people look at her funny or they're starting to give her messages that this isn't okay, she could start to internalize that. So just really making sure that she's got plenty of opportunities to speak with you and mm-hmm. you're so um, you're so ready to parent mm-hmm. her, Casey, because you are intuitive. And um, as you practice the skills of, you know, staying grounded and taking good care of yourself that I talk about in my book, 
your daughter as an intuitive is even more likely to be picking up on that. So you've got a great mentoring relationship that you can offer to your daughter. And I think sometimes it's important to just have that conversation with kids when they start, when they get a little older and they're at school and they come home and they say, I feel so different. Can't you find a school for me with kids that are more like me? Because they will say that, some of them. Yeah. And they just start to suppress it. Finding places, you know, or starting a play group or finding some place or, you know, hanging out with your other intuitive friends where she can feel the joy and ease of just being able to be completely herself. Um, it, it, you know, we don't need to sequester intuitive kids into just, you know, being in their own little world. They need to have the muscle to be able to communicate with kids that are more rough and tumble, sensei, you know, maybe experience intuition with less frequency. So we want that kind of adaptation, but at the same time, we want them to be able to just let loose and feel like they can completely be themselves. And the other thing I I wanted to ask you is, was she also intuiting her Christmas presents? Because I see a lot of kids doing that on their present and go, oh, it's fun. Yeah. Yeah, because she was with her dad. Her, you're so right. <laughs> she was with her dad's family, and she knew all the gifts that she received. And they were like, "Well, maybe, the, maybe this is some real stuff." And they were like, "How in the world?" Because you know, she couldn't have known it was great. You're exactly right. <laughs> yeah, that's that's one of the ways that parents know that. Uh oh, I think I've got a highly intuitive. Yes, she's very empathetic. You're very right. That's why. I'm glad you said that. I wanted to get her in a Waldorf schools because they teach about the different philosophies of the world. Mm-hmm. And I knew that she would be able to use her creativity because those are creative schools for children so that they can be themselves. And I felt like there's a lot of intuitive people there. Mm, yeah, and Rudolf Steiner, I think, was quite an intuitive, the man who started the Waldorf schools. And I, I really like their emphasis on using art. They do a yeah. lot of creativity. And I, I'm, as, yeah. as an art therapist, I'm a big fan of of um, providing kids with art materials so that mm. if they have absorbed stress from the day or stress from their friends, um, which is just part of being an empath, having a way that they can move it through their body. They don't have to keep it inside of themselves and where it can turn into a stomach ache or a headache. You know, give her, you know, if she's been around a lot of angry people, give her some clay so she can move that out or, you know, some other kind of material so she can just have free reign to express herself. Oh, wow. Thank you. I'm glad you gave me that confirmation, both of you. Thanks. (laughs) Casey, this has been great. It's been great chatting with you. Uh, And thank you so much for calling in because I think, you know, both Jane's call and your call, it's really, you know, speaking volumes to the so many, so many of the people that are out there right now and they're thinking, wow, um, this is, she must be talking about me. So Casey, thank you. Thank you so much for calling. Thank you both. Thank you, Casey. I'm getting the book tomorrow. (laughs) You got it. (laughs) Thank you. Well, the book is The Highly Intuitive Child, and it's a guide to understanding and, and, and parenting unusually sensitive and empathic children. Catherine Crawford is my very special guest today. The website for you to check out some more about what Catherine is doing and what's going on is, it's really simple. It's www.lifepassage.com. And if you've missed any part of this interview, uh, this uh, will be in its entirety on the Dr. Pat Show website in a, in a couple of days. And you can get there really easily by going to www.drpatlive.com, drpatlive.com. And certainly, um, Catherine will have a copy of this interview to put on her site as well. Uh, you know, Catherine, these calls, these questions are so, so very important. I know in your book you talk about children having a vocabulary for talking about, you know, who they are or what their needs are. Can you say a little bit about that? Because I think the language, and I think Jane really talked to this, the language is sort of a hmm, stumbling block sometimes. I know, I know. And, you know, it was difficult for me to write this book because to, to articulate the invisible world is not the easiest thing. And, and the same can be true for our kids, too. Um, so we can model that for them by just kind of creating even your own language about, so for example, if a child were to be in, in a setting where they were picking up on a bad vibe, let's say in a, in a person or in a room, or they're just feeling like they need a little bit of space. Um, there might be, you know, some kind of 
maybe there's a word like, um, you know, I'm feeling the the squiggles mom or something, you know, whatever it is for that child mm-hmm. that they can articulate. And the parent and child can be um, committed to be able to take a break and say then, okay, well, what what is it that you're needing? What are you noticing? What are you picking up on? Little fun, disarming code words that mm-hmm. might help that child articulate what it is that they're feeling and then be able to share with a parent what they're needing in the moment. Oh, well, you know, this is, I think this is so, so, so very important. Uh, we've got another caller coming in, Catherine. I think we, let's go to the phones. Who do we have joining us right now? Oh. Hi, who's calling in? This is April. Hello. April, how are you? Hi, April. I'm fine, how are you? Hey, you got a question I, for us? Yes, I do. Um, I recognize myself when you describe the intuitive child about 30 years ago. Um, I see that I, you know, felt all those difficulties. I experienced all those difficulties that you're describing. I'm not myself a mother, but I am an adult now, an adult intuitive child, and I just want to know what are some ways after having that staved down for so long to reawaken that intuitiveness and really explore that part of myself that's been stuffed down for so long? Great question. Oh, April, thank you for your question because there are so many people like you and um, and you are one of the people that I wrote my book for. In fact, my last chapter is specifically, it's called All Grown Up Now and it's for the adult intuitive children out there to, to reawaken this. And, you know, one of, I've noticed a number of different things with the intuitives that I work with in my counseling practice who... Um, didn't receive that much support and consequently had to um, uh, suppress this part of themselves. And one of the things is it can be really hard um, to trust oneself because if we aren't connected to our intuition, then it makes it a little harder to find that clear yes or no or to find the strength of our boundaries um, and to really... Uh, feel feel good about having these abilities to feel that self-esteem that comes with it and feel the integration. So what I want you to know is that it is never too late to get these skills down and to reawaken that and to get your life back on course with living from the power of that. And I think that as you do more of that and you nurture your intuitive child, you might even, um, if you were to get my book, go through that and imagine yourself um, giving that to your your own intuitive child, you know, giving that kind of nurturing and that kind of support. And I would also encourage you to find other like-minded intuitives so you feel um, the sense of community and, and kind of a tribe around you so that, you know, you don't have to uh, take so much energy in, in reinterpreting yourself. You, you'd be hanging out with people who just know the terrain, they know the the stressful side of it, they know the beauty of it, and they can really celebrate you for who you are. I've actually been very fortunate in that regard, and the older I get and the more people that I meet that are similar to me, um, the more comfortable I feel. Mm. But it is kind of... It's kind of tragic that so many of us share the same story about being called weird, being picked on. And and when you're as intuitive as we all were, even when you weren't being picked on and you just knew how people felt about you, mm-hmm. that was even harder. It was almost like a dose of rejection and, and mm-hmm. heartache. I know, exactly. Between Yes, between the verbal spoken and then being so empathic that you could just feel it in other people. Is that correct? Yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. But yeah. the great thing about it is that we're all able to use these tools that we've been blessed with um, and I think it's really important to hear your message because we're able to um, really hone those tools and be able to make change in the world that's really necessary right now. It is so mm-hmm. necessary. I don't think that we can afford to lose another generation of intuitives having to reclaim their their gifts in adulthood right now. I think we need all gifts on deck for the planet, and we need whatever those those, those intuitive gifts are that those kids are going to be bringing to the table as they, they launch into adulthood. And um, I, I so appreciate you sharing your story, April. And I, I, too, I think it's tragic when these gifts go underground. And I, for one, do not want to see that happening to the kids that are out there these days. And I think 
it's mostly been misinformation and fear um, that have created these kind of stereotypes. And and uh, I think all of us intuitives can get together to support the intuitive kids of today and change this. Absolutely. Absolutely. April, thank you. Thank you so much. Boy, thank I, you. You were speaking volumes for a lot of people here you tonight. Were. Thank you so much. <laughs> Um, you know, Catherine, again, I want to make sure that everybody knows that, yes, the book we are talking about is called A Highly Intuitive Child. My special guest today, Catherine Crawford, joining us here. And there is a website that you can go check out, www.lifepassage.com, lifepassage.com, um, and, uh, and, and check it out. You know, I'm getting instant messages. I'm getting messages from everybody. And if I don't ask you this question before the end of this show, I will be in big trouble. Okay. And I alluded to it earlier in the show, and apparently I, I struck a nerve. There are apparently a lot of people trying to dial into this show right now. Um, and when I mentioned, you know, uh, ADD and ADHD, attention deficit disorder. Oh, right. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I've talked about this before on the show. Some people say, and I'm going to say some people without naming names, some people say that if you look at the world of ADD and ADHD and, and, the, and the children that are being diagnosed at a very young age, mm-hmm. these are the intuitive children. Other schools of, of thought completely on the other end of the spectrum are that, nope, these children have an, a disorder and they need to be treated. Mm-hmm. And I wanted you to speak to that, especially the chapter um, that you have in the book on this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, this was a really hard one to sift through because I, I, I don't want to be promoting misinformation out there, but I really would encourage, I, I would like to encourage a deeper and more nuanced conversation about ADD as it relates and ADHD as it relates, mm-hmm. especially to an intuitive and empathic kid. So let me see if I can break some of this down. Um, <clears throat> You know, one of the features of ADD is this high level of distractibility, and you might even see some spaciness, too. And so let's just try and emphasize, I'm a highly intuitive kid, and I'm in a classroom where I'm feeling uh, the pain of my... of two of my neighbors sitting in my little group in the classroom. I'm feeling some unspoken conflict in a little four group on the other side of my classroom. Oh, and I just started thinking about something going on in the world in another place. Or maybe I'm, you know, kind of pondering the solution to something. These are all things that could be happening in an intuitive empath child. And um, so... I'm not saying that there is no such thing as ADHD. I really tried mm-hmm. to get to the bottom of that. And from what I can hear from from some very respected sources is that it's really important to check out neurotransmitter levels. And, um, you know, and there's a variety of different ways to do that, too, to be, to, to find out how the brain chemistry is doing. But if we're just medicating a child who really could benefit from learning the skills of being able to I talk in my book about pulling in the intuitive antenna, bringing their focus back into themselves so that they can have less distractibility and less less of this um, being so fascinated by what is going on with other kids in the classroom, but really be able to bring their attention back to themselves and back to their work. Oh, and by the way, if their work isn't very interesting to them, they may still be bored and still be distractible. So finding a good fit of classroom and child is really important. But, you know, it's, I think it, it, it is important to take a look for an intuitive child and see if you can just help bring down that distractibility. And, and it's possible that they may still have some neurotransmitter problems, too, in which case checking that out biologically is important. But I would just hate to see a child being medicated for something that they could be helped with some skill base instead of. Well, and I think this is really the conversation um, because I think we've gone through a couple of different waves of this. Now, you know, I think we're kind of caught up in this um, pill, potion, and lotion syndrome. Mm -hmm. And so I'm hoping that your book and the people listening to this show will have an opportunity to kind of rethink this and maybe go back in time and think a little bit about that child that was in the classroom 
you know, that wanted to have conversations or can't be around people that are angry and soaks that up. I mean, mm-hmm. this is all covered in your book. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I wanted to, you, you know, also uh, ask you questions about art and intuitive children. And mm-hmm. you touched on this, and I know that you use this in the work that you do. Mm-hmm. I wanted to spend a little bit more time with it because art in the form of many, many things, including photography. Mm. Uh, and I wanted to ask you, you, you know, the nurturing part of this, is it therapeutic? What should adults and parents do? And if you're an intuitive adult, what should you kind of do for yourself? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. Let's, let's start at the end and we'll work backwards here. Um, if you're an intuitive adult listening and... Um, you feel some of the stress side of being, uh, let's say, empathic and picking up on other people's feelings. I would encourage you to, you know, and you don't need to be an artist to do this. This is mm-hmm. really, really important to know. It's really just about expressing yourself. So get yourself some, you know, simple art supplies, maybe some oil pastels and some large paper. And art is a great way to just even... Um, put down some symbols or uh, express yourself with line and color with how it feels. And the important thing that's happening when you're expressing that onto the paper is that you're releasing it. It's like you're releasing it right out of your cells, taking it down your arms, out of your hand, onto the paper. Um, let's say somebody's just really upset you. You might want to rip that up after and <laughs> chuck it into the trash can. You know, it's about getting rid of it, and that's going to help you with your energy hygiene, too, and let go of those kind of emotions that aren't yours to be carrying. In the same way, what can we do for a child? Let's say you're picking up your child, and your child's very empathic and intuitive, and uh, they sent them off to school, and they were in a fine mood, and they came came out of the classroom in a pretty sour mood. Um, at first, they might not even be able to talk about it much. I, I do see this in quite a few kids, that they often don't start to unload all this stuff until about 10 minutes before bed, and boy, it's a big story. Um, if you notice your kid is coming home routinely with, with a lot of big feelings, you can provide them with a safe place and give them some space. No need to hover and no need to give big instructions on how to do it. Just stay really loose and, you know, give them a playful uh, space to do this. And just, you know, give them some time to be able to express what they're feeling. Um, clay is great if, if the child is feeling really angry. Um, and I would also caution people from uh, from looking for what the meaning is in the art and then interpreting that to a child. A child can feel a little bit invaded by that. So just staying open and seeing if more of a story comes out of the child after they've um, played with some art. Art's a great way to help your kid get back into their own experience. And, and um, you know, being open-minded about what our definition of art, I think, is important. Pat, you mentioned photography, you know. It's like whatever it is that gets that child back into themselves, uh, connected into the present, having fun, being expressive, go for it. Well, there were two things that you mentioned that that, that I kind of related to is, and many many of my listeners know this about me, and, you know, um, I had an incredible experience in my life that most people will call a loss, um, but it really opened up a lot of doors, and I moved from the East Coast. I grew up in New York and New Jersey. I moved from the East Coast, and I moved to Seattle, mm-hmm. and that's, you know, the Dr. Pat show comes out of Seattle most of the time, but I'm also on other networks like BBS tonight, mm-hmm. and I moved to Seattle. And one of the interesting things that that did show up, and I and I would love for you to address this, is two things. Uh, I moved to a place where my creativity, imagination, I created crust-busting in that period of time, mm-hmm. finished the dissertation, but I did some extraordinary art, especially when I got here. Mm. And, um, I, and honestly, I'll have to send you the pictures. Mm. I could not even tell you what these art symbolized. Mm. Honestly, couldn't. Mm-hmm. I don't know where the art came from, and to this day, uh, I don't. I, I did it for a six-week period of time, and that was it. Mm. <laughs> and so that's kind of an interesting idea. But the question, I guess, is, and and you know, uh, 
Um, and, and, you, you know, the question really is, what do we do with our art? I just got an instant message from someone that, that is asking this question, and this probably kind of talks to, you know, how we express ourselves and what does it mean, especially intuitive children and adults. This question came in and said, what would it mean if a child drew a beautiful picture and then all of a sudden took a paintbrush and messed it up or messed up the picture? Mm. And I think this really kind of gets to, we couldn't know for sure, right, Catherine? No. But no. it really does talk to some of the things, perhaps, that that you were addressing here, maybe a level of frustration or saturation. Mm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Well, you know, there's there's a variety of schools of thought from the art therapy world of how to interpret that. Here's what I would do with it. I would just notice that I might just feed that, feed that back to the child. I noticed, you know, that you had this beautiful picture and then you you uh, you layered that paint on it. So I'd be careful to, you know, put my my interpretation on it of, for example, why did you go ruining the beautiful picture? <laughs> it's hard as a parent to see that beauty, you know, suddenly buried. Um, what is it that the child's expressing, you know? Um, maybe a- another painting comes mm. after that, or um, maybe a story comes from the child at that point, just staying open to... Gee, honey, do you ever feel like you get buried? Mm. Well, here's a follow-up to this question. Uh, And, boy, you know, I guess this is a caller that was trying to call in. Here's the follow-up. You're going to find this very interesting. Um, You know, the individual says, it was not done on purpose. It just happened. Oh, and then she adds, oh, um, the individual, the the adult that did this or the the child that did this is also ADD, ADHD. And so the the message that I'm getting is, the text that I just got is, it wasn't done on purpose. It just happened. Yeah. Isn't yeah. that kind of interesting? Oh, yeah. Well, and, you know, that really speaks to the power of the unconscious that mm. comes through in our art. That, you know, that's the beauty of it. Our words can be so good at being able to narrow the conversation or, you know, channel it in a particular way that that maybe we think somebody else wants to hear. But if we can really let go with our art, we can allow ourselves Mm. to express something so deep inside, something that might not even have the articulation of words yet. And, but it can still be moved and, and we can still have that as, as a visual. And sometimes there's just nothing to be done with it. Sometimes the meaning doesn't appear until much later. Wow. And it's important to just let that be. Just like wow. with intuition, sometimes we don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Let it be. Huh? Exactly. Yeah. Well, Catherine, I cannot believe how quickly this hour has, has gone by. I hope you will join me on, on one of my other networks and, and we'll have the, you know, part two of this conversation. Um, I want to mention everyone, The Highly Intuitive Child is the book. The website that I mentioned before is lifepassage.com. What's your personal message, Catherine, for everyone tonight? We don't need to fear our intuition. We can enjoy this. We can embrace it. We can embrace it in ourselves and in our children. And thank you so much for having me, Pat. And I would love to do part two with you. I would love to do that as well because I can't keep up with all the messages that are coming in. And apparently uh, for, the stories are, are in, the, in this book are fabulous. Uh, when you go through and you read, you know, a, a four-year-old story or a seven-year-old story, you're going to relate to it. Catherine, thank you so much. Thank you thank for you having so me. Thank you so much. Thank you to our callers, too. I'm so glad to know that, that we intuitives are finding each other. Oh, absolutely. And part two, look forward to it on the Dr. Pat Show. For more information about us, please go to www.thedrpatshow.com. And also make sure you can, you can also go to Dr. Pat Live. Uh, if you missed any part of this, we're going to have the archive up, and we will get Catherine Crawford back. For those of you that want to find out more about how to get the book, Catherine, they, can they get the book on Amazon? Where can they get the book? Yeah, they can get it at Amazon. They can get it at their local bookstore. They can also find my – they can look on my website, lifepassage.com, and I have links. Wow, that's absolutely fabulous. Catherine, as we say on the Dr. Pat Show, you rock. <laughs> Thanks, Pat. You rock. Thank you so much. And I want to end this show with all of you out there today with, you know, actually with a quote that Catherine has in her book. It's actually the very first quote that I came, uh, came by in the book. And this is for those of you. This one's for you. The intuitive mind is a sacred gift, and the rational mind is a faithful servant. We have created a society that honors the servant and has forgotten the gift. 
Thank you, Albert Einstein, and thank you, Catherine Crawford. We'll see you right back here next week on the Dr. Pat Show, everyone. Remember to let it flow. Not